Okay. All right. Good day, everyone. Welcome to Pirkei Avot. We're in Perik Revi'i, the fourth Perik, the fifth big Mishnah. Rabbi Yishmuel, Rabbi Yossi Omer. Now, it's very interesting that a Tano, a great Talmud Chacham, should be called Yishmuel. But apparently, uh, it was not uncommon uh, during the, uh, let us say, from the, uh, this is the second century, from the second century to about the sixth or seventh or even the eighth century, we find Rabbonim who were named Yishmoel. I think that it disappeared from the Jewish world pretty much, though in the Middle Ages there also was a Rabbi Yishmoel. But it disappeared mainly because of the uh, Muslim religion, which uh, concentrated itself on the fact that they were the descendants of Yishmoel, and that Yishmoel, so to speak, was the true son of Avraham, and that it was Yishmoel that went to the Akedah and not Yitzchak. Well, when that uh, perversion became, became uh, popular in the uh, Arab world, in the Muslim world, so then the name Yishmoel was pretty much discarded. Now, we don't find uh, in uh, the story of the Jewish people that uh, names of people like that uh, were ever popularly used. Uh, we don't find anybody named Esau or Bilam. But uh, modern-day uh, hardened secularists who wanted to uproot everything, so they started calling their children Nimrod and other names that appear in the Tanakh of people who were tyrants and uh, who were uh, evil people. But that was like a declaration against Torah. And unfortunately, that custom has not disappeared. And uh, also, strangely enough, as it happens, uh, I know a few people uh, who became Balei Tshuva, and they had a name, let's say, like Nimrod. So now what do they do? Do they keep the name that they had at the moment of their circumcision? Or do they try to change their name uh, to a more traditional name? And uh, I, I think it's interesting that the uh, name like Nimrod has become so common 
in Israeli society that no one attaches anything to it anymore. And that maybe it doesn't carry with it uh, the uh, baggage that it once did. So it's certainly not part of the Jewish tradition. So anyway, here we have a great Tana, Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi who was a uh, colleague of Rabbi Akiva. In fact, we find in the Talmud that Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel discuss many halachas together. There are, the Talmud is always full of pairs of scholars discussing Torah. And so, uh, like Rabbi Yudon and Rabbi Shimon, so here we have Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Shmuel. And Rabbi Shmuel was one of the great men uh, in the, uh, sec- in the uh, second century. And uh, he's one of the men that led to uh, the generation of Rabbi, of Rabbi, of Rabbeinu HaKodosh, who had established the Mishnah in the third century. So anyway, he said as follows, Halomed Almanas Lilmod. Now there's uh, here it should be alomid almanas lelamid. So the question here is somebody is studying. What is his purpose? What's the purpose of studying Torah? Is it to acquire knowledge? Well, that's partially the purpose because uh, without knowledge. Uh, a boor can't be a Talmud Chacham. La'amor it's chosid. So uh, you have to acquire knowledge. You have to know. But there's more to that because uh, there's a spiritual aspect to learning Torah. It's indefinable. It's not measured in pages. That's why in the yeshiva world, as someone who aspired to be a Talmud Chochem, so they call him a Ben Torah, a son of Torah. That's not a question of knowledge. It's a question of the inner essence of the person. Is he a Torah person? Well, what is a Torah person? Well, it's not only observance, because to a certain extent, being an observant Jew is the easiest part of it. It's a question of mindset, of uh, daily thought, of contemplation, of attitude, of goals. 
it's a person whose essence is Torah. He's dominated by Torah. So even when he's doing things that are not, so to speak, directly Torah-related, he's working at his profession or at his uh, skill. He's an architect. He's drawing plans. He's a builder. He's operating a store. He's waiting on customers. Whatever he's doing, he's a Torah person. He deals with it from a Torah perspective. It says in the Pesach, You have to know God no matter what you're doing. It's not the religion is not reserved for the clergy. There's no separate shulchan for rabbis. Whatever you're doing, you should see in it that you're doing the hand, the work of God. And that's an attitude. And that attitude applies to study. I study not only to gain knowledge, I study to have a connection with the Rabboni Shalom, so to speak. It's his Torah that he gave us. So if I have a gift, so to speak, from uh, an important person, So then I have an attachment to that person and I treasure it. And when I open that gift or when I use it or when I look at it, I'm reminded of that person. Well, Allah has come when the, the Rabboni Shalom gave us a gift and I open that gift daily and I have some connection to it and it governs my thought processes and my behavior patterns. So then that establishes a great, great relationship. And so therefore, when I come to study and to teach Torah, it's not knowledge I'm teaching. It's not just studying facts. It's something else. I always felt that uh, that was the difference uh, at the heart of the matter between uh, the maskilim, uh, the enlightened ons and the chokhmas Yisrael, etc. that uh, they knew the uh, Bible and they knew the Talmud and everything, but they knew it as facts, subject matter. Like I take a course in geometry, I take a course in Talmud. But the yeshiva world never, never, never subscribed to that. There's no such thing as a course in Talmud. 
the famous story is that uh, a man once came to the Kotzka Rebbe and he said to him, Rebbe, I want you to know I have gone through half shots. Half the Talmud I've gone through. And the Kotzka said to him, how much of it has gone through you? That's the question. That's what we're looking for. So even though we put a premium on knowledge and on memory and on genius, all of that is true. But there is a dimension that is not definable. That dimension is the relationship to the Rabboni Shalomah. And they say that it came to a, a great scholar and he was says, on a certain page in the Talmud. They came back a month later and he's still on the same page. So they said to him, Rebbe, why? What are you doing still on the same page? He said, what's the problem here? This, uh, what's wrong with this page? What I'm looking for is not just knowledge. And you see that in the commentators to the Talmud, Rashi and the Balitosvas and the Rishonim and in our time later ones, that their relationship to it was not purely knowledge. And therefore, Rashi can say in a number of places, Libi Omerli, my heart tells me that this is what it must mean. Because if I know a person, and I know that person very well, I instinctively know that person, even if that person doesn't tell me what he's thinking or what his opinion is. But I know because. That's my relationship. That's certainly the relationship in a marriage and in a family. So that's the relationship to Torah as well. I have an instinctive feeling as to how to deal with Torah. What is the Torah telling me? Because the Torah is a live thing. It's not a dead subject. And therefore, for instance, uh, we review the Torah every year, right? We're going to come to Simcha's Torah now. It's the end. And this already is this week. Yeah, we heard it all already. We heard it many times. So what I have to hear it again? Because the Torah expects that every time we hear it, we're a different person. And therefore it speaks to us differently than it did a year ago. I think uh, now with the coronavirus, we can all uh, certainly relate to that. When the Torah talks to us, and the Torah says, Ki Hashem and Kolcheli Mitzrayim Aroim, 
all of that takes on a different meaning. We see it differently this year. We sense it differently. So a person that studies Torah to know and lalame to teach, because part of Torah is hafotzasa Torah. <coughs> Excuse me. To spread the knowledge of Torah. Harbutzas Torah. It's an inheritance to the Jewish people. And therefore, we have to try and restore their inheritance. And we do that by teaching others, and by being an example to others. You don't have to be an educator, a teacher. How you do your business, how you deal with people, how you are with material things. What kind of example do you set? So we certainly set an example in our own family. But more than our family, we set an example in our community. What's our relationship to things that happen in the community? I think that's one of the most important things necessary for a shul and for the relationship that people have to a shul. It's more than just a place. If it's only a place, there are other places that'll be more convenient. So that's how we're measured. So therefore, my speaking biyoro lil lalamed. He will have the ability to learn and to teach others because that becomes his goal. His goal is to spread Torah. If that's a person's goal, so then he's doing, so to speak, God's work. So the Rabboni Shalom helps him, gives him opportunities. We have unlimited opportunities today to spread Torah. Can write, can read, you can listen. You can influence, and you never know uh, what works and what doesn't work, whom you strike and whom you don't strike. I was said that uh, you, when you go somewhere to speak or lecture, you don't know. So you think you're going to, to speak to these 50, 70, 100 people, but maybe uh, you're, uh, your whole going, and it's been in my experience, is because the influence you're going to have on the taxi driver that takes you there. The speech becomes secondary. It doesn't even count. You don't even remember what you said. But the way you spoke to the cab driver or the way you behaved, that's the impression. That's why you went. 
And all of life is like that. All of life is like that. I had a, a wonderful Jew in Muncie in my shul. He owned the big textile business. And uh, he must have had 300, 350 employees. Uh, all of them, uh, practically all of them were Hispanic. Most of them uh, didn't speak English very well. And they were just trying to get started in America. So he used to come to shul Friday for Shabbos. And uh, he always came over to me and he said, Rebbe Baruch Hashem, today I was able to give Parnosa to 350 people that they should have what to eat for a week. So he saw his business not as a business that he's going to make money on, even though he did. But he saw his business that his 350 families are going to live. That's what he was doing. Well, if that's your attitude, so then it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different thing. And the workers felt that. I remember they... Uh, told me once that uh, some union came and wanted to unionize the workers. The workers threw them out. They said, we have such a, a wonderful uh, boss. Why, why should we start up? So that's all attitude. The Gemara says that a Tana once met Rabbi Mayer and uh, Rabbi Mayer was not known yet. He was a young man. So uh, the Tana asked him, uh, Ma Shmecha, what's your name? So he said, Mayor Anochi, I'm Mayor. Oh, you're Mayor. Mamalachtacho, what do you do, Mayor? So he said, Lavlor Anochi. I'm a scribe, I'm a sofer. I write. So the man said to him, Izoir Bini Izoir, be careful, my son, be very careful. Your profession is the profession of heaven. If you miss a letter or you add a letter, it's possible. So he not only said it because he's a scribe, everybody is Malechus Shemayimi. Whatever we do is Malechus Shemayim. We're doing all heavenly work, each one in our own field. And that's true even when we're retired and we are nothing, you know. We still are influential. People look at us. 
people see how we behave. It makes an impression. So that's what he said by speaking. We let him, uh, the Torah will let him study and we'll let him teach as well. He'll be able to spread Torah. It's interesting that the Rabboni Shalom created the Jewish people in such a way that we always have people who are willing to sacrifice themselves to teach our children. They don't do so because of money, because the other professions pay far more. And it's not an easy profession. Very, very difficult one. And it's a profession where uh, one can never uh, really achieve universal praise or appreciation. The Gemara said, You don't appreciate your teacher until 40 years later. Oh, that's what he meant. That's why he did this. And uh, where would we be without teachers? Where would we be without educators? Without those who were willing to sacrifice? So there has to be an intent. I'm going to spread Torah. If you're going to spread Torah, my speaking biyodo lilmod ulamamed. What if he studies in order to accomplish? not just to teach, but to accomplish, to be a person of action. Be a creative person. To found institutions, to uh, to do things that will uh, affect many, many people. So then Rabbi Shmuel said, my speaking biyoto limo delamed lishmo velasos. Then heaven will provide that as well. There are people that uh, have the ability to uh, create and build. You look at all the yeshivas. uh, They did not uh, sprout like mushrooms after the rain. Somebody sacrificed themselves to build it. I remember the Ponevizharov told me once, he said, I could be the biggest gone in the world and I could compose the greatest books on Talmudic subjects. He said, but my task in life is to build institutions. And that means I have to go out and raise money I have to do all of these things. He says, but that's my mission. Everybody has a mission. Everybody has a mission. Now it says, Lishmore Velas. 
What does it mean? Lishmor, to guard. It's, if you if you are observed, you're observed. You're there. You, what do you mean to guard? If you do the mitzvahs, you do the mitzvahs. So then, what do you have to guard? So the Mephorshim explain again. Doing a mitzvah is wonderful, but there's a value involved, and the value is what has to remain with you. Lishmor means that it should remain with you. After I have done the mitzvah, the idea of the mitzvah still remains with me. And uh, that is a uh, mental, psychological challenge. Because people do mitzvahs uh, almost automatically. I did the mitzvah, it's over. I heard chauffeur, it's going to be enough. I gave a little of an essay, they shook it once and goodbye. I'm done. So the answer is really, you are done. You did the mitzvah, you did the mitzvah. But you have to do the mitzvah in a way that the mitzvah remains with you that it inspires you later, that you hear the chauffeur in your ear a month later, and you can smell the esrig in the middle of the winter. There are different customs as what to do with used esrogim, so to speak. So there are people who save them. There are people who cut them up and make uh, jam or jelly out of it. There are people who make alcoholic drinks out of it. Most of us just discard it. We did the mitzvah. That's its purpose. The esteric is going to turn brown now and shrink. So, uh, right, I wrap it very carefully, respectfully, and uh, I, I get rid of it. But there are people who hold on to the esteric because in the dead of winter, they look at the esteric and they still have the mitzvah. They still have the sense that somehow they fulfilled God's will which is what is called lishmor, to guard within us, to treasure within us, not to let it escape, not to let it go to waste. And people always used to say, uh, Rabbi, what time are we going to finish? Rosh Hashanah. Yom Kippur. What's that? When are we going to finish? I'm always disturbed by such questions because I don't want to finish. There's a difference between ending the prayer and finishing.
I want part of it to remain with me. I don't want to be finished with it. Uh, we treasure good memories. Or we remember in our mind's eye wondrous things that we saw. You know, I always, uh, when I'm bored, I think that I, uh, I remember Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. Wow. Or the Grand Canyon. Or the California Redwoods and the Sequoias. I'm refreshed. That's Lishmore. It's guarded within me. People take pictures of everything today. The nature of people is that they want to hold on to what they saw or did. Most of the time, we never look at our picture albums. But our desire is that it should be with us. So that's the idea of Lishmore. To treasure it, to guard it, to savor it. That we have, you know, the memories of the Seder, all of the things that really touch our lives, that form the real stuff that our lives are made out of. So that's what Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi told us. If that's your intent, then God will give it to you. But you've got to want to do it. You've got to want to study. You've got to want to be better. You've got to want to spread Torah. You've got to be the one that wants to create and build. That has that ambition and that drive. And if you have that, so Chazal said, Abola Tahir Messiahinoso. If someone comes to do good in this world, heaven will help him. Heaven will give him opportunities to do so. You want to be a charitable person, God will send you plenty of opportunities. You want to be a scholar, you'll have unlimited opportunities. You want to help build a community, you will have the opportunities. You want to strengthen the shul, God will help you. You'll have the opportunity. What you do with the opportunity is your business. That heaven doesn't interfere with anymore. So I think that this is an important mission. All of them are. But certainly in our uh, situation, this time of the year as well, to strengthen us, Leomadin to say to the Rabboni Sholom in the prayers of Rosh Hashanah, this is what I want to be. Help me. I need life. I need Parnosa. I need health. I need you help me. I'm going to help. I'm going to do my part. I don't want it to be a one-way street. That type of bargain is permitted even on Yontif. So I want to thank you all for listening. 
and uh, please stay well. On Thursday, we'll have the Parsha Sheet on Nitzavim Vayelech, the Parsha Shir. And uh, then Rabbi Goldvicht and I are going to send out a letter to you, and we're going to uh, set up a program for next week, for the week of before Rosh Hashanah, and then for the Aserah Shemei Tshuva, and there'll be uh, two uh, Shabbos Shuva drushes in the middle of the week. So uh, keep the Zoom going. Thank you and stay well. Love to everyone.